Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and The Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I'm really excited to be joined with John Hunt Fiorentino, the creator of Gravity Blanket and Moon Pod. John, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey man, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. So John, you may be the only person I've had on this podcast that's done two separate million dollar campaigns on Kickstarter. And I know that you've spent your entire career focusing on bringing products to the marketplace, more recently, specifically on Kickstarter, from things like pillows or fragrances, handbags, and now the weighted blanket, which was a massive success with 23,000 backers, $4.7 million. And now we have Moon Pod, this amazing zero gravity beanbag that's done you know, $1.2 million to date. Let's talk about where all of this started for you. You know, what was the inspiration, you know, to be able to start having or growing your amazing talent to be this awesome product creator? Yeah, I don't really know when it started, but I guess, you know, I've, for my whole life, I've sort of always been thinking about, you know, brand product. I've always been obsessed with getting the, the newest gadget. I think like when I was like 11, I got my hands on my first MP3 player, the Rio, and that sort of sent me down a rabbit hole of product obsession. Just watching guys build companies that I've been fascinated with, it's always come down to the, 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 the commonality between those companies are people that have crafted really incredible products. And so then I just started thinking about how to make things that people really love and are receptive to and will help people. And yeah, I started stumbling across a few ideas. And then on, you know, my fourth or fifth little project, I came up with the weighted blanket. And that has sort of sent me down a, a pretty awesome rabbit hole of this Kickstarter world. It's been pretty exciting. So let's talk about that that ideation phase that you potentially go through. And, you know, yeah, this was your fourth or fifth idea in Gravity Blanket, which was obviously a massive hit into the world. And, you know, you've sold tens of thousands of units by now. What does that process look like? You know, how did you go about deciding what features to include, designs, all of those elements into that product? Yeah, so that one actually started with a pillow. I was crafting a new kind of pillow that I still sort of had in the lab. It was a pretty exciting design, and I was working sleep scientists on the, the design. In a conversation with one of the sleep scientists, they mentioned sleeping with 10% of your body weight. And I, that sort of caught me by surprise, and I was like, well, what do you mean by that? Can you go into the science behind that? And she started describing this thing called deep pressure stimulation, and she explained that if you sleep with 10% of your body weight, 
on top of you, you had this like really incredible anti-anxiety calming effect, which was sort of mind blowing to me that I've never seen it. And then when I started to try to find one that I could buy, there really was almost nothing out there. I didn't really understand why these things didn't exist and why people weren't talking about them at a scale that was familiar to people. And so that sort of just sent me down this this new rabbit hole where I started designing my own weighted blanket. There wasn't really anything out there that I liked, but I loved the idea of a 25-pound blanket. And so, yeah, I made a few prototypes and then launched. And yeah, I was... It was pretty shocking to, to, you know, and I think in 20 minutes we hit the goal and I was kind of like, oh, I, I, I don't think that this is normal. But everyone said that there was going to be a spike in the first couple of days. And then on like, I think day one, we hit like 400K and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be pretty insane. And then it just never stopped, which was exciting, but also pretty daunting. 30 days of watching a, a number rise and freaking out about, oh my God, how am I going to make? I thought I was going to have to make like 500. I was like, how am I going to make, you know, 30,000 at this point? But yeah, it was pretty nuts seeing how like a little conversation, a sleep specialist led to, you know, in a couple months, an idea being published that just really had this incredible moment where everyone sort of dove in and was sort of fascinated by this idea of a heavy blanket. What were some of the challenges that you encountered when you were designing that product? The design was interesting. There, so I didn't invent weighted blankets. Like they existed, but they were mostly for medical use cases for like kids with autism and sensory disorders. So everything out there that I could buy had these like child prints. Um, it was like a blanket covered with elephants or, you know, something that would appeal to children. Um, and there wasn't anything that looked really sleek that like an adult would be attracted to. So for me, the design process sort of started with the aesthetic. How do you make this thing with a real appeal to someone like myself, who I'm interested in this, you know, we're all living in this like Tesla obsessed tech forward environment right now. And so I sort of started to design a blanket of like, what if Tesla were to make weighted blanket as stupid as that sounds but yeah that was sort of the the design problem that i was up against was you know how do you make this kid medical product appeal to a larger more approachable market let's talk about the preparation on the marketing side for your first crowdfunding campaign what did that look like so i did a few different things i actually ran around with a selfie stick for about six months and I, I did this whole vlog about me finding and viewing products and that was to build up an initial email list of people that were interested in what I was doing in order to find and review and create the right product. So I kind of looked like an insane person for six months and ran around with a selfie stick and started documenting sort of my discovery process to get a following, an initial following that I thought if I came out with something, they would be receptive and back it. So over six months, I sort of grew that to about 27,000 likes on Facebook, which wasn't huge, but it was a decent audience. And, you know, I started seeding it out to that audience of like, hey, guys, I'm making something. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And then I actually partnered with a friend who was running a media company to come in and sort of help with the press aspect of it. And so I had those two sort of like my initial 
email list of people that were following me around talking about products. And then this media company that came in and, and said that they were going to help with a, uh, a nice, solid press push. So I figured that both of those things, you know, about three or four months out from launch date were, was going to set me up for at least moderate success. So how did the preparations change from Gravity compared to MoonPod? What did you learn, you know, between the two and what have you done differently on this campaign? We didn't really do that much differently on this one, you know, like we, you know, the Gravity push was really nice because we had a bunch of press on Gravity. So from a press perspective, it was really just reaching out to everyone who wrote about it. It was like, hey, the creator is coming out with a new product that goes along nicely with it. And people were receptive to that story. And, you know, I mean, I don't really, like, to be honest, I don't really spend that much time thinking about, like, marketing or, like, media or press. I really spend probably 95% of the time designing, researching, crafting, and thinking about product. So what's the biggest thing you've learned through the whole process of launching $2 million campaigns on Kickstarter? The biggest thing I've learned is that for me, I think it's like if you can find and create a product that people actually love, that is the best thing to do. It will return on whatever investment you make tenfold if you make a great product and you don't try to spend all your time trying to find some hack or, you know, hire the right PR person or, you know, get some famous person to tweet about it. If you really make something that people authentically love, then everything else sort of comes naturally. Um, and I think before I had Gravity happen as a big success, I like didn't believe that. I like thought that, you know, I thought I needed some massive celebrity to tweet about it, or I thought I needed to like partner with someone that had some like crazy press hack and get like that New York Times article. But it really wasn't the case. It was really just if you make a great product, people will come. And I think with this second campaign, it was it, it was even more evident. Like I I wanted to really test that thesis and I, I basically haven't spent any money on marketing MoonPod. And and, you know, that was a little different with Gravity. We spent some money on advertising, a lot of money on advertising for, for Gravity. Um, but MoonPod, I really wanted to see if it was, if my learning, my big takeaway from Gravity was accurate, that if you make something great, it's going to grow and people are going to talk about it and people are going to want it, regardless of your marketing strategy. So what's been the biggest surprise of this most recent Kickstarter campaign? I was really worried about this one because of the nature of the product. It's really, I was really worried that a lot of people weren't going to be receptive of it or, or ready to give it a chance without trying it first. I've really been surprised that people have understood how comfortable that this, this thing is without trying it. That's sort of been the big surprise. You know, like you, you hear gravity, and, you know, what's gravity? It's a 25-pound blanket. You kind of have an idea what that feels like. But with this one, you know, I was a little worried that MoonPod, it's a zero-gravity beanbag. Like, well, what does that feel like? But people have really kind of kind of been receptive and been just almost just as excited as they were the first product, which I wasn't really expecting. But it's been a it's been a pleasant surprise. So let's talk a little bit about your experience with your backers so far. I mean, you've built this massive community. I know you've gotten a lot of feedback, but how have you gone about managing that feedback with, you know, doing the promotion and then, you know, all of your focus on getting this product ready to ship? 
Yeah, I mean, to us, the backers are like, that's the keystone here. Um, that's like the most important part of it. So I, with Gravity, it really took off at an unbelievable rate. So, you know, admittedly, there was some lag in our customer support. We, we didn't really know how to handle an inbound of 25,000 people all at once. And, you know, we just learned a ton about just being really communicative with, with these people. And that, you know, just giving very simple, transparent updates goes a really long way. Like, I didn't really think people cared about tiny little changes or insights that I was going through. But when we would update it, be like, hey, you know, we were thinking about this with the product. Or, you know, I just went to China and visited our factories and they look incredible and everything's going great. Like, that really paid off tenfold. And there was a little bit of a learning curve to that. I just didn't think people really wanted to hear from me that much. And so I was kind of staying in the background. But with this next one, you know, with MoonPod, we, we, we ramped up customer service. We have a full staff of about 10 people full time working on the, the relationship with the backers and trying to be communicative. You know, I think like it's a little tough because Kickstarter really tries to play be very democratic and you know they they try not to really take a side here so you you can't really get away from the the 10 or 15 people who are just going to be really angry no matter what you do i think i think i've answered the same question probably probably at this point 300 400 times still people will come back and ask it again and again and again so you know there's some battles that you can't win but if you're initiative and you are transparent and you know you're just there to answer these questions people are receptive to it and they they sort of understand and they're supportive so you mentioned earlier some of the the challenges of overfunding especially with gravity blanket you know how have you changed in terms of you know product development and scale of the new product you know moon pod that you're creating now in terms of you know the overfunding of the campaign yeah totally so like, like I said, I, I purposefully didn't, I actually didn't want to want to take this one past like 2 million. Um, I was really like crossing my fingers that it didn't, and which was another reason why we really spent money on marketing for this one. And the reason is that because, you know, like with supply chain stuff, it's all of this is so fragile. With Gravity, I mean, I had two supply chains set up. And within the first week, they both broke. They both, you know, my manufacturers called me and they were like, hey, sorry, we can't handle scale at this volume in this time frame. And that was like the most stressful call I've probably ever gotten in my life. And it happened twice. And so for this one, you know, we found the manufacturing partners up front that could handle whatever scale that this got to. But, you know, learning that a, a healthier, linear growth beneficial for the longer term rather than optimizing for this massive scale moment that might look cool and it might be it might be really great but it doesn't really call for the the smoothest customer experience and the, the operations within the company it was probably the the best learning experience i could have ever had with gravity and i'm glad that i was able to figure out we were able to deliver somewhat on time i think we we're about first delivery was about two weeks late and then we ended up being about like a month or so late on a few other ones but you know, those are the learning curves. And, and now, because we've, we've sort of a, a, accounted for those hiccups that we saw with gravity, you know, we've made some conscious decisions where uh, we are optimizing for more of a steady flow rather than that massive step function growth that could be a, 
can be a little scary in 30 days. Totally. So what, if anything, would you have done differently for either of campaigns? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to answer that. Like, if I had a crystal ball and knew that I was, that gravity was going to be four million, obviously I would have invested in a full support team of customer service that could handle that. But like, I don't know. You never know. I, I, I think what I would have done differently is probably, I yeah, I really, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I've, I've, I've gone a hundred percent on both of these. I've really tried my hardest to cover every angle that I could. No. Yeah, I don't think I really, I don't think I really have answer. Maybe more more customer support on Gravity is the thing I would have done. Maybe you could have hired us on your first campaign as well. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you've been working. Yeah, you guys, you guys would have brought it to like eight million. No, I would have killed myself. That yeah, that's it, man. You know, I know you've been working with us uh, for for quite some time now, or at least a few weeks on this campaign. Um, so it's been been great to be able to work with you, uh, obviously, on this one. So if you were able to give one tip out there for raising a million dollars on Kickstarter, what would it be? People are gonna hate it, and you know, everyone asks me that question, and I always give them the same answer. And like I've heard people say this before, and I just didn't believe it, but you have to make a product that people truly love. Like that's really the only tip. And if you do that, people will want to talk about it. The press will want to write about it. People are going to want to take another wallet and buy it. And that will solve like 95% of your problems. There won't, you won't need a tip or a trick if you just make something that people love. All right. So next step on that though, how do you know it's going to be a product that people love? I don't really know, right? I mean, that's the big gamble. Yeah. And that's the, the terrifying part, you know? Like, I don't think I slept for, like, a week before Gravity just freaking out. And then Moon Pod, I think it was, like, three days. I was just, like, freaking out, you know? Like, are people going to love this? But the thing that made me relax a little bit, other than the products being relaxing products, was that I, I loved them, you know? The first time I used Gravity Blanket, I literally passed out in... 10 minutes and I knew that if that happened with me then it would happen with someone else and with moon pod it's literally like I can say without question it is literally the most comfortable thing I've ever sat in and I don't sit in anything else anymore like if I'm watching a tv show if I'm working if I'm on a phone call like I am right now I'm sitting in the moon pod and I like that is real. Like, and if that's real for me, it's going to be real for someone else. And I think that's probably the best way to gauge if you have something people really love is if you find yourself truly unbiasedly loving it on your own. No, it's, it's good. I mean, I love the, uh, the recent video you put out there in terms of taking the moon pod to like central park and just having, you know, people sit in it and get, get that experience. Right. Yeah. Totally. I think that's another thing. I think if, if, if you don't trust yourself or, you know, I don't trust myself in a lot. I think, I think I'm pretty biased about my own creations. I definitely was with my first couple of ones. The first few things that I made were pretty horrible, but I fell in love with them. But, you know, I think that's the best thing. If you have a question of whether or not this is something people are going to love, literally take it outside, sit in a park and walk up to as many people as you can and see how they react. And when I did that with Moonpod, like we didn't cut that video 
we didn't cut everyone that sat in it that hated it out. There was literally no one that didn't sit down in it and have this overwhelmingly huge smile on. And so, like, I knew I had. So just yeah, I mean, make something make something that people love. And if you don't know if people are gonna love it, literally go outside and put it in front of as many people's faces as possible and just watch the reaction. So where are you headed next, John? Where am I headed next? I don't know. I don't know. I think, yeah, I mean, I really love making products. There's a few things I'm really excited about that I'm going to come out with with MoodPod. There's like, you know, I'm thinking about like doing a very specific children's line for it and a few other partnerships that I've been talking to that would be really exciting. So I'm going to be on, you know, checking in with Gravity and checking in with MoodPod for for the foreseeable future but where i'm going next is you know after this one wraps up and i put another team in place to handle this full time i'm back to the to the ground i'm back to the i'm back in the dirt searching for my next little thing that i fall in love with i don't know what that's going to be but i'm pretty excited i hope i can find it within the next couple years or so well it seems like you've built a repeatable you know methodology to find these products so i'm excited to see what's next man Yes, yes, hopefully. Fingers crossed. All right, John, this gets us into the launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a couple questions at you. You good to go? I'm ready to launch. There we go. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? I have no idea. I, I, I think what inspired me, I don't think I had like a moment of inspiration. I think I just like was first incapable of working for anyone else. And I always was just making my own stuff and was you know lemonade stands baseball cards pokemon cards anything that i could sort of get my hands on and be responsible for i was doing it and then i think i I don't know yeah my first i guess my first and only job my first and only real job was in the middle of college i went to go work for scooter braun do you know who that is yeah so I went to go work for Justin Bieber's manager, and that was actually where I kind of started thinking a lot about, you know, how to take advantage of audiences in the right way and make something for them that they were responsive to. And, you know, after a couple of months, he sort of pulled me aside and was like, what are you doing? He's like, why are you trying to work for me? Why are you trying to work for anyone? He was like, you're not meant to work for someone. Go and start your own thing. And that was sort of the slap in the face where it was like, yeah, what am I trying to do? Like, why am I trying to go? Why am I trying to work for someone? I need to go making my own stuff and carving out the, my own path. And that sort of little push out of the out of the bird's nest from someone that I really, really admired and looked up to, kind of the moment where I was like, all right, I got to go make this real. And that sort of sent me down the rabbit hole of, of starting a business. Nice. So if you could share a moon pod with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Oh, wow. Entrepreneur throughout history. Living or dead? Yep. I'm going to go with Ben Franklin. Nice. What would have been your first question for Sir Franklin? Is he an entrepreneur? He is. Sure. I would, I would just, yeah, I would put him on it and I wouldn't ask him anything about the product and I would just ask him about it. Like, I want to learn from the master. Separate bolt of lightning, right? Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd ask him how it compares to the discovery of electricity. Nice. What book are you reading right now or what book would you recommend to our listeners? What book am I reading right now? Right now, I just bought this book called Elephant in the Brain. I'm probably about like, you know, 10 pages into it. It's by a guy. He has a great blog. 
blog called Melting Asphalt. Like really, really awesome blog that I read every time he comes out with a new little essay. And then he just came out with this book called Elephant in the Brain, which is pretty interesting. And then I just finished up the Leonardo Leonardo da Vinci biography, which for anyone that's creating anything, it's the best book of all time. All right, John, last question. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? I think it moves off of aggregated platforms. I think a lot of people are going to start realizing the benefits of crowdfunding. And I think that the customers are going to start being more receptive to it. And, you know, if, if anyone can, you know, if you, if you can make a deal with anyone that, hey, to get this initial run of product up, you can pay half price and you'll just have to wait. I think the customer is going to start getting a lot more receptive to that sort of like social deal. And I think a lot of these, I think a lot of these crowdfunding projects that you see on these massive platforms, I think you're going to see that same thing on people's owned and operated sites more. I think it's less platform and more direct relationship with the creator to their own audience and asking them to help them out with crowdfunding. Absolutely. John, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell them what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out. What I'm all about, I'm all about making products that are better for the world and that make people feel great. You can check me out. You can follow me on, I think probably Instagram is the best route to stay in touch, at John Hunt. Video and then you know keep an eye follow me there and keep an eye out for my next my next creation oh, gravity gravityblankets.com moonpod moonpod.co follow my personal journey and I'm sure I'll have something in the pipe that's going to be exciting at some point in everyone's life. Uh, stoked to see that, man. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the notes, the transcript, links to everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. And if you loved this episode as much as I do, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. John, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thanks, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.